Well, I've got a mansion. Do you? That song talked about, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Uh, if the Lord is preparing us a mansion, uh, but only for those who have trusted Him as their Savior. So if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord as your Savior, then uh, get your mansion today. Um, and so I sound like a real estate agent, but I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm a heavenly real estate agent, right? All of us kind of are. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3 is where we're going to be this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And we, two weeks ago, started this message. And I was planning on last Sunday finishing it up, but the Lord had other plans. And I'm very thankful for uh, Brother Armstrong filling in last minute. And I called him on Saturday morning and and uh, he was like, wait, so you mean like tomorrow morning service? <laughs> like, that's exactly what I mean, brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, I appreciate him doing that and, and him filling in. And we got to watch the service online from our living room. And uh, he did a great job. Uh, I can't promise that I'm going to preach as short as he did. Uh, but uh, I appreciate him filling in nonetheless, and uh, it was a special treat to get out a little bit earlier than normal. Second Timothy chapter 3, if you would join me in standing, if you're physically able to do so, for the reading of God's Word, Second Timothy 3. And uh, we're going to pick it up in verse number 10 and read all the way down through verse number 17 again. Second Timothy 3 verse 10 says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, and what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou. In the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. And let's pray together. Father, thank you for the service thus far, for the wonderful songs that we had the privilege of singing. And uh, now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray, Lord, that you would remove distractions from our minds and that we would be able to focus in on what uh, the word of God says today. And I pray that you would open our hearts and help us to be good hearers, but then more than that, help us to be good doers of what we hear. And uh, I pray that you'd be pleased with our response to the Word of God today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, two Sundays ago, uh, two weeks ago, we announced our and introduced our church theme for 2022, and that is continue. Had, did anybody happen to notice that 2022 continue kind of rhyme? Did anybody get that? Nobody got that. Okay, that's okay. 
That's not why I chose the theme anyway, uh, because it did rhyme. Uh, but I chose it because I wanted to encourage us as our church gets ready to celebrate 75 years of ministry here in Moore, Oklahoma, that we would simply continue doing the things that we have done all the years to not try to reinvent the wheel and come up with new methods and, and uh, crazy uh, things, but to simply get back to the basics and to continue doing the things that God has told a local church to do, to continue and to be faithful. And uh, last Sunday, we looked at this passage, and, and uh, just by way of very quick review, I want to get into the new material very quickly here, but first we looked at the sad reality of the situation. The sad reality that Paul explains here in, in this passage is that uh, things are not going to be going super well, and don't be shocked that things aren't going well, spiritually speaking, as we look at culture. As we look at culture, things usually don't get better. They usually get worse. It's the second law of thermodynamics, right? Things don't usually go from disorder to order. They usually go from order to disorder. And we see that, spiritually speaking, in culture today. And uh, the passage starts in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. And I won't go through all of it again, but it says, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. And so as we look at the sad reality is that there will be perilous times. And uh, here as Paul goes down and describes the perilous times, it's pretty obvious that we are indeed living in those last days right now. I mean, it doesn't take uh, someone who's an expert at news to uh, put the pieces together and, and see that we are living in perilous times. Well, as a result of the perilous times, not only will, um, not only will uh, there be a growing distance from God in the perilous times, but there will also be a growing disdain for godly Christians. And as a result, not only will there be perilous times, but there will also be persecution. And uh, we, we talked about that in, in, in verse number 12. If you look there, it says, And yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So this is a sad reality. This is not, I'm painting a positive picture here, and I, I hate to be negative Ned up here, but the Bible does paint here a picture that uh, we are living in perilous times, and there's going to be persecution for those who decide to honestly and sincerely and genuinely live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I did give all of us an out uh, a couple weeks ago. Hey, you don't have to suffer persecution. But here's the deal. You, you, you don't have to live godly in Christ Jesus. Um, that's how we can get out of this uh, promise of persecution. But for those who decide to be sincere, genuine, deliberate, intentional disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, who are going to live according to the word of God, then prepare, embrace yourself for the fact that we will deal with persecution. And things, again, are... You, in verse 13, Paul said, look, things aren't going to get better. It says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. They're going to deceive, and they're going to continue being deceived. And things aren't going to necessarily get better. And again, uh, not, not to say that God couldn't do a, a, a nationwide revival here in America. Uh, certainly, that's what our nation needs, but... Uh, here the Bible says culture, by and large, is going to continue getting worse 
and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so that's a sad reality. But then, number two, we said that there's a steadfast response to that sad reality. As Paul tells his son in the faith, Timothy, that things are getting bad and, and you're going to potentially deal with persecution, you better, uh, here's what you need to do. You need to run away and cry and hide. Be a hermit out in the mountains and you know live off grid and, and uh, make sure that you're not noticed. No, that's not what he said. He said, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Continue being a light, a bright and shining light, because this world is going to need some bright Christians out in this dark world. As the world gets darker, the more this world is going to need bright and shining lights. So in spite of the coming perilous times and persecution, uh, Paul says to Timothy and to all of us, simply continue. God calls us to a life of steadfast faithfulness. Not a a life where, hey, we're doing it just so long as it's going our way, and then, and then if it's not, then we're going to go ahead and bail. No, to stay in the battle, to, to not quit, to uh, do what our memory verse says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we're going to reap if we don't quit, if we don't faint. Uh, we said in First. Uh, Corinthians 4 and verse 2, God requires that we would be found faithful. It says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Hebrews 10 and verse 23, I mentioned this verse a couple weeks ago. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And uh, Paul here was encouraging Timothy to be faithful a couple other times. Uh, I won't go into it again. But a couple other times in these letters, Paul encouraged Timothy to be faithful, to hold fast, to continue. And so the encouragement for all of us is to have this steadfast faithfulness, the steadfast response. And we mentioned a few things we are to continue in. We're to continue in the Word, and that's what we're going to get to in just a minute. That's the new material. But we're to continue in the Word. Um, he says in verse number 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And then he talks about the scriptures in verses 15, 16, and 17. So we're to continue in the word. We're going to, con- to continue, continue in his love, um, continue to learn about his love, to believe his love, and to appreciate his love, and to rest in his love, and also to share His love with those around us, to continue in His love. We're also to continue in prayer. Colossians 4 and verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So don't stop praying. Don't ever give up on God. Keep praying. And if you have some requests that you're asking the Lord, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Don't stop praying. Continue in prayer. And then we said continue in fellowship as well. Because that's what the early believers did in Acts chapter number 2. In verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Uh, There is something very spiritual about a church family coming together and fellowshipping with one another. Yes, talking about sports is is good and wonderful. um, But more importantly, sharpening one another in the Lord. That's the main purpose of fellowship. And so we talked about continuing and and having a steadfast response in light of this sad reality. Proverbs 20 and verse number 6, 
uh, says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. The Lord is looking for someone who will simply continue in spite of the perilous times in which we live, in spite of the potential persecution that we will face, yea, even here in America. Will he find Cornerstone Baptist Church full of faithful men and women who are going to just continue no matter what the circumstances are? And so that's what we ended with last week. Uh, Let's look here and pick it up with number three, the sacred resource. There is a sacred resource that God has given us to help us to have this steadfast response, to help us to be faithful, to help us to continue. What is that sacred resource? Well, let's look what it is in verse number 15. And that from the child thou hast known, here it is, the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The scriptures, the Bible, the word of God, this old black book. Oh, you might have a red one. But you know what? This is our sacred resource that's going to help us to continue despite the perilous times, despite the persecution, despite the circumstances around us. We need this book. Okay, the Bible is described as many things in the Word of God itself. What is it described as? What is it called? In Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29, the Bible says this, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? So there is a tremendous power that this book has. This is no ordinary book that you can get at Barnes and Nobles. Well, does anybody go to a bookstore anymore? Uh, we just order them off of Amazon, or now we get audiobooks and don't even have a physical book. We just listen to them now. But this book is special. It's described as a fire, it's described as a hammer. In Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In 2 Timothy 4, in verse number 13, it's described as the parchments. The parchments. When Paul was saying, hey, please send, I I want you to bring my cloak with you. Paul was in prison and he wanted Timothy, (coughs) excuse me, to bring his, his, his cloak, because it was cold in, those, in that Roman prison. And he said, and I want you to bring the books. But then he said, but especially the parchments. And he was referring to the word of God. He said, you know, if you have to choose one thing to bring out of those three, bring the word of God. The parchments. It's called the faithful word in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9, where Paul says, holding fast the the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. It's called the word of truth in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In Psalm 19, just 
If you can hold your place here and go to Psalm 19 very quickly. This is a tremendous passage that uh, explains and describes the Word of God and what it does in our lives. Psalm 19, verse number 7. Psalm 19, 7, we see that the Bible is called the law of the Lord. And by the way, it says it's perfect, the law of the Lord, and it converts the soul. Verse 7, it also says it's the testimony of the Lord, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8 says, it's the statutes of the Lord, and they're right, rejoicing the heart. Verse 8 also says, they're the commandment of the Lord, and that's pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Go back to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and as you're turning back there, uh, I want to mention in James chapter 1, the Bible re is referred to as a mirror. Uh, most of us looked at the mirror this morning. Uh, maybe some of us could have used a little bit more time in front of the mirror. No, I'm kidding. Y'all look wonderful. Y'all look beautiful. I could have probably used a little more time, but there's only so much you can do with this. I mean, at some point, you just have to give up and go. Um, and so I had to make that decision sometime today. Well, the Bible is referred to as a mirror, and we look at it as a reflection of who we are, not, and not even just the surface. Uh, that's what our mirrors do at home. They, they show us who we are on the outside, but the Word of God is a mirror that is able to uh, look, uh, let us know who we are on the inside. And so in James chapter 1, the Bible is referred to as a mirror, but it's also called the perfect law of liberty. In Ephesians chapter number 6, as the Apostle Paul was describing the armor, armor of God, the only offensive aspect he mentions is the Bible, and he calls it the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's called the Word of Life, a couple different places. In 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Word of Life. And in Philippians 2.16, it's also mentioned there, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. In 1874, a man by the name of Philip P. Bliss once wrote the words to the song that we sung just a few minutes ago in our service. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Friend, those words describe this sacred resource that you hold in your hands today. This is what we need in order to continue. A traveler I read about was preparing for a long trip. A friend asked if he was all packed, and he said, yeah, all, almost, just about. He said, I, I've got my guidebook, I've got my lamp, a mirror, a microscope, a volume of fine poetry, a package of old letters, a songbook, a sword, a hammer, and a set of books. But the friend said, you can't get all of that in one suitcase. Sure I can, replied the traveler. It doesn't take much room. Then he placed his Bible in the suitcase and closed the lid. 
You see, this is what we need for the journey of life. As we travel through this life, we must have this. We must have this. And uh, today I want to show you a couple uh, aspects about the scriptures that uh, I think will help us understand uh, how wonderful and how beautiful these words are. First, I want us to see here that the scriptures are pure. They're pure words. There's no purer words than the words of God. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 15, it says, And that from a child thou hast known thee, what kind of scriptures? They're the holy scriptures. They're the pure scriptures. They're holy. They're set apart. And verse number 16 tells us, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that means that God breathed in these words. You say, how did all that happen? I don't know. God did it. And I believe it. See, the Bible was written over a span of 1,500 years by 40 different writers in three different languages on three different continents. And there's no contradiction. There's no mistake. There's no error. The Word of God is pure. Psalm 12 and verse number 6, the Bible says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Psalm 119, verse number 140, Thy word is very pure, the psalmist said, therefore thy servant loveth it. Proverbs 30 and verse number 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. You see, the Bible is inerrant. Now, that means that it is incapable of being wrong. The Bible is inerrant, and it's also infallible. What does that mean? It means incapable of making mistakes. So the Bible is the inerrant, the infallible Word of God. Jesus said of the Word of God in John chapter 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So the word that you hold, the Bible you hold in your hand today that's sitting on your lap is the true word of God. Uh, The psalmist said, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And as a result of that, you can totally trust every word. Uh, Most of us, when we go through difficult times, guess what we do? We ask a friend. We use a lifeline and phone a friend, right? And, uh, okay, I know that dates me a little bit. Who wants to be a millionaire? Is that even still on? It is. Okay. Um, but here's the deal. When, when most of us go through a difficult time, we, we, we kind of vent and share our problem with someone else, asking them to give us advice and help to, make us, to help us through the trial and tribulation. All the while, we have the true Word of God that has no errors in it, well, your friend and mine, sometimes, well, they're human, and they make mistakes, but there's not a single mistake in this book. You can trust it. See, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. Men reject the Bible because it contradicts them. 
And we need to understand this morning as we uh, are perhaps facing some difficult times in America as uh, sincere believers of Christ, what's going to keep us going? The pure scriptures are going to keep us going the right direction and continuing. We see the scriptures are pure, but we also see in this passage that the scriptures are powerful. Oh, they're powerful. I look in verse number five. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able... What, what are the scriptures able to do? Well, they're able to make us wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. See, Tim uh, took him to church. And he was in a good Sunday school class and went, went to the Wednesday night um, Kids for Truth clubs, and, and, and they were a part of a church. I imagine there was probably some teaching that he got outside the home, but I guarantee where he got most of his teaching, moms and dads, is at home. And, and by the way, his dad wasn't probably doing much of the teaching, but his mom and grandma stood up, stood up to the plate and uh, made sure that Timothy got to learn the scriptures. They instilled the word of God in that young heart. And as a result, Paul said, hey, you've known these things. You've learned these scriptures from a child. And those scriptures are able to make us wise into salvation. So moms and dads, look, I, I hope that you do bring your kids to our church and, 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 and put them in the junior church and the Sunday school and the Wednesday night Kids for Truth and that they're learning the Word of God in those areas. But if they're only learning the Word of God there and they're not learning it at home, Moms and dads, I hate to tell you, but you're missing the boat. Uh, most parents think my job is to provide for my children food on the table. Sure, it is. And uh, a roof over their head. Yes, that is. And clothes on their back. Sure. Education. Absolutely. Opportunities for... Um, growth and fellowship and recreation, yes, all of those things, but the primary focus needs to be getting the Word of God in the hearts of our children. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And verse number 5 or 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Nowhere in the scriptures are we told to diligently make sure that they have plenty of sports opportunities so that they can be noticed by a scout someday and get a scholarship. And No, I'm not against any of that. But if we're doing that and we're not doing this, if we're not instilling the Word of God into our children, we're really missing the boat and our priorities are out of whack. So moms and dads, that wasn't exactly in my notes, but that's for you. Perhaps the Lord wanted me to say that. Maybe even for me to make sure that I keep that a priority in my life. Look, I know it's not always easy. I know life gets busy and all of the rest, but if, if we're too busy to instill the Word of God in the hearts of our children, then I'm sorry, what are we doing as parents? 
I don't want to meet. I don't mean to beat anybody up or or browbeat anybody this this morning. But I just want to encourage us to put the priority where it needs to be in our parenting. Uh, mom, uh, Timothy's mom and grandma made it a priority, and as a result, Timothy knew the scriptures, and he ended up becoming a pastor someday and serving the Lord with his life. Oh, what a what a wonderful thing! Well, he didn't he didn't go and make a bun- bunch of money. No, but in the grand scheme of things, in eternity, in the economy of eternity, uh, don't you think that Timothy's really glad and his mom and grandma were really glad that they took the time as a young child to make sure he understood the scriptures? Aren't you, don't you think that they uh, appreciated that and go, man, I'm really glad that was not a waste of time. That was an investment in etern- internal things. So the scriptures are powerful. They uh, can work in our life to make us wise unto salvation. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God brings us to the point where we understand who we are, understand who God is, and understand what God did in order for us to spend eternity with him by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Die upon an old rugged cross, rise again the third day according to the scriptures. Scriptures are powerful. Hebrews 4 and verse number 12 tells us, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The story is told of a college professor who visited the Fiji Islands years ago. Well, <clears throat> this uh, professor was pretty agnostic, and he critically remarked to an elderly chief there on the island, he said, you're, you're a great leader, but it's, but it's a pity you've been taken by those foreign missionaries who've given you the Bible. They only want to get rich through you. No one believes the Bible anymore. People are tired of the threadbare story of Christ dying on a cross for the sins of mankind. They know better now, and I'm sorry you've been so foolish as to accept their story. The old chief's eyes flashed as he answered, See that great rock over there? On it, we used to smash the heads of our victims. And notice the furnace next to it? In that oven, we formally roasted the bodies of our enemies. See, if it hadn't been for those good missionaries and the love of Jesus that changed us from cannibals into Christians, you'd never leave this place alive. You'd better thank the Lord for the gospel. Otherwise, we'd already be feasting on you. If it weren't for the Bible, you'd now be our supper. You see, there's power in the word of God that it can change people's lives. And and I would dare say that most of us are here today would stand up and say, my life has been changed because of the word of God, because of the Bible. It has changed my life. We mentioned Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like as a fire that saith the Lord and a, and a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? Multiple times the word God has used his word to break stony hearts that had such a coldness to the gospel, a coldness to the things of God. And God was able to, through his word, break those stony hearts just by using his word. I read about a Many years ago in a Moscow theater, there was a, an actor, a matinee idol, 
named Alexander Rostazev, and I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Uh, but uh, he was converted while playing the role of Jesus in a sacrilegious play entitled Christ in a Tuxedo. Here's what happened. He was supposed to read two verses from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 5. After that, he was to remove his gown and cry out, Give me my tuxedo and top hat. But as he read the words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. As he read those words, he began to tremble. And instead of following the script, he simply kept reading from Matthew chapter 5. Ignoring the coughs, the calls, and the foot stamping of his fellow actors. And finally, recalling a verse he had learned in his childhood, he cried, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And before the curtain could be lowered, this man had trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. The Word of God is powerful and can break those stony hearts. If you're here today and you have a hard heart, I'm trusting the Lord to use his word to break your heart today. See, it can do many things. It also has a cleansing power in our lives. John 15 and verse number three, Jesus said, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The word of God acts as a detergent in our life. I remember this, is, this happened on multiple occasions in our home. I won't announce the name of the individual who, uh, because they may or may not be present in this room today. But uh, we would tell our boys in particular to go take a shower because they stinketh. And uh, it's, they just were boys. And boys get that way. And uh, they would come out of the shower. They'd be in there for a long time. We'd be like, okay, you're done. And then they'd come out and we'd say, did you use soap? And they would look at us with a blank look like, what is soap? <laughs> like, um, were we supposed to? <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> and it's like, where have we failed in our parenting, you know? Um, I blame Julie for that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's probably me. Anyway, um, okay, that, I mean... They got wet, and that probably helped uh, some, but they needed some soap to get the grime and the filth off of their bodies. Okay? What about us? We go through this world, and this world is not a clean place, spiritually speaking. Uh, we need that cleansing on a regular basis. It's, it's like my glasses. Those of you who wear glasses, what do we have to do almost every day or multiple times a day? We have to clean them. And it's not like we went out into the mud and threw mud on them. Like we didn't intentionally try to get them dirty. They just became dirty by living in this dusty, dirty world. And you and I as believers, just by... Uh, us being in this dirty, dusty world, we're going to get things in our hearts that need to be cleansed out. What is the cleansing agent that we need? The scriptures. Amen. Ephesians 5.26, he says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. 
The psalmist said, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. So we need the word of God in our life on a very regular basis to keep us clean, to keep us right with God. And so we see that the scriptures are powerful. But then thirdly, let's look at the fact that the scriptures are also profitable. Back in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16, where he says, All scripture, scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. And it's profitable for several things. It's profitable for doctrine. What does that mean? Well, that means what is right. Doctrine means what is right. And it is profitable for telling us what, what is true and what is right. But then it's also profitable for reproof. Many times we're reading the Bible and it's not something that uh, is right, but we're learning what's wrong, what isn't right. And so reproof. And we'll read through the scriptures and you'll read about, uh, we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school about David and how he committed sin with Bathsheba and then that, how that led to a more sin with the murder of Uriah and deceit and lies and all the rest. We, we read about that and that's a reproof to us that that's not right. We should not, and it's profitable for that. We need that in our lives to help us to know what's right, help us to know what's not right. But then it says it's also profitable for correction. And that's when we get off course how to get right. How to get right. We perhaps see ourselves in the story of the prodigal son and, and we're like, yeah, that's me. I, I, I've wandered away. And the song we sung a little bit ago, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Maybe we've strayed from the Lord a little bit and we read the prodigal son and we're going, okay, he got up and he was willing to go back to his father. And look what his father did. He came running, threw his arms around this stinky, smelly, dirty boy and kissed him on his neck. Maybe I should get up and go back to my heavenly father after my sin. And see, it's profitable for that, how to get right. But then also it's profitable for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right, how to continue, how to be faithful. And the word of God is profitable for all of these things. Verse 17, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect. That doesn't mean that we're not going to sin or never make a mistake. It means that we're maturing in Christ. And, and we could be thoroughly furnished unto all good works so that we can be profitable for those around us so that we can be effective as we minister to those who God places in our path. So the scriptures are profitable. Someone once said about the Bible, this book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. And so he encouraged us, the writer of this, read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy, because it contains light to direct you. It contains food to support you and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map. It is the pilgrim's staff. It is the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored. 
Heaven is opened and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand object. Our good is its design. And the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory. It should rule the heart and guide the feet. So read it slowly. Read it frequently. And read it prayerfully. It is given you in life and will be opened in the judgment and will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility and will reward the greatest labor and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. This is our sacred resource that's going to help us to continue in this difficult day. So the scriptures are pure, they are powerful, and they are profitable. And look, if we're to faithfully continue this year and beyond, we must absolutely have a resource. And God has given us this sacred resource, this book to be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. But like any resource, it's only as good as it's utilized. It's like somebody who has a giant bank account. I mean, it's bursting at the seams. And they don't ever use it. It just sits there. It's, it's doing no good. This, this book, it's a wonderful book, wonderful words of life. But it does us no good unless we use it, unless we're in it, unless we're looking at it and learning it, unless we're loving it and unless we're living it out in our life. So my encouragement to all of us this year is to have a great close relationship with your Bible because this is the resource that's going to help us to continue. Not just sheer willpower. I mean, I hope we have some willpower, but we need the Word of God. We need a sacred resource, and God's given that to us in the form of the Word of God. Our theme this year is... Continue. Taken from verse number 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. I read this and I'll end with this thought. Postage stamps. Oh, postage stamps are getting expensive, aren't they? I'm thankful we don't have to use them as much as we had to back in the day with bills and such. Postage stamps are getting more expensive, but at least they have one attribute that we would all do well to live by as well. Postage stamps, what do they do? They stick to one thing until they get there. They stick to one thing until they get there. May the Lord help us, Cornerstone Baptist Church and individuals, to be faithful until we get there. Where's there? Well, heaven, of course. Uh, we're not to be faithful in order to get there. See, no one gets to heaven because they were dedicated and sincere. No, we get to heaven because Jesus was faithful to endure the cross. And we're, we're faithful. We get to heaven because we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 15 talks about that. But for those of us who are saved, remember the uh, Jesus paid it all. Now to him I owe. Let's be faithful in these perilous days by sticking to the scriptures until we get there. Uh, one day we'll get there. Last year, as we were thinking back, um, 
over the last year in 2021, a couple men in our church, they got there. Brother Tom got there. Brother Doyle got there. One day we'll get there. But until then, may he find us faithful. And what's going to help us to be faithful is a sacred resource called the scriptures. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this book you've given to us. Lord, it is more valuable than we can really describe in words. Lord, I pray that our lives would reflect the value of this book. May our schedules reflect the value of this book. Lord, so many times we have time for fun, entertainment, and social media, and rest, and eating. Many times the Word of God gets pushed to the side. Oh Lord, please forgive us for that. Please help us to make it a priority in our lives, because it is so valuable, it's pure, it's powerful, and it's so profitable. Help us, Lord, to make this a priority in our lives. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to not just know what the Bible says, but to then live what the Bible says, to be good doers of the word. And may you help us to continue and to be found faithful because we've stuck to the scriptures until we get there. Help us to be postage stamps, Lord, to be stuck to the scriptures until we get there. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Ms. Pat to...